the factors of safety that go into building these things is quite high. So you don't have to worry that like design for 50 years, once it turns 50, it's going to collapse or anything. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? I'm Blake Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast, where we explore the interesting paths people take in life. If you'd like to support episodes like this being made, please check out the show's Patreon page at patreon.com slash half hour intern. In today's episode, we speak with Jacqueline Lee, who is a structural engineer. So a structural engineer, as Jacqueline puts it, deals with the bones of a structure, whereas an architect deals with the skin of a structure. So we all know a lot about architecture and we all admire architecture a lot. Um, the structural engineer is kind of the unsung hero of the, of the building world. They are the ones that make sure that the building does not come crashing down and kill us at any given moment. So Jacqueline will talk all about uh, the engineering side of that and uh, and what types of structural engineers there are, uh, what sorts of things as a structural engineer you have to keep in mind when you are trying to make a building or a bridge or whatever it is as safe as possible, and then how it all comes together when they are working with the architects and builders and things like that. So without further ado, here is Structural Engineer. Jacqueline, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So I think the best way to start this would be for you to briefly explain to us all what exactly a structural engineer is. I, uh, I think I've heard the term before. It's one of those job titles that sounds self-descriptive. So it's like, okay, you engineer structures, I guess. So, uh, but why don't you give us a little bit better of a definition than just like, yeah, look at the job title. Um, no, actually, that is, that is pretty pretty good. <laughs> um, we engineer structures. Uh, a lot of times people hear that and they think architect, um, just because they are fairly closely related. But structural engineer is someone who really just analyzes and designs the structures to make sure they don't fall down. Um, so we're the ones that really design the bones and the architects, I guess you could say, design the skin and the personality of a structure. So. Okay, right, right, right. So the architect is is I guess a little bit more on the creative side, making sure that something looks good and you guys are more on the uh, like engineering and therefore like safety side, making sure when somebody walks in this building, they're not just going to immediately have the building collapse upon them and die. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, we literally design the nuts and bolts and themes and columns of a structure. Oh, wow. So like where all the nuts and bolts will go, like mm-hmm. I guess how much load different things can hold and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. So everyone owes uh, so much to you guys. Like we think that we, architects yeah. are the ones doing it all, but like the fact that we're not that we don't have like 10,000 deaths every day from someone just like walking into a building or driving over a bridge is all thanks to you. Yes, yes. That's uh-huh. that's what I like to think. <laughs> Man, well thank you, Jacqueline. Oh, of course. So what made you want to become a structural engineer because I feel like um so how I said like I I had heard of a structural engineer before, but it's not like something super commonplace that you hear about a lot. Architecture, on the other hand, everyone hears about architecture all the time. Um, people think about architecture a lot when they're looking at cool buildings. Um, so I feel like architecture is the much more like glamorous job that's in the spotlight. What made you want to become a structural engineer? Was there a time that you wanted to become an architect and then you're like, you know what? 
I'd rather save lives for a living. Or you know what? Like I'm better <laughs> at math and logic than I am at drawing and art. Um, yeah, it definitely the logic part kind of came in into play. I didn't ever really think of myself as being artistic, creative. Like can't draw a circle for the life of me, but I can draw a straight line. Um, so when I went to school, I did civil engineering, which has a huge, it's a large umbrella. Can involve transportation, environmental construction and structures. And at the time that I was choosing or declared my major, um, it was a little too late, I guess, to go into architecture. So I was like, well, next best thing would be, I guess, structural. So kind of went down that route instead. That's a good attitude to have about it. I feel like if that yep. was me, I would have just like thrown a fit and flipped out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a really and- good way to handle your life. Yeah. And also walking by the architecture studio in school and like they're there till like midnight on these like tiny models. I was like, no, that's not for me. Yeah, for sure. So what is the what are the classes like? Is is it just like tons and tons of math and stuff to try to make sure that the structures are sound? Um, You kind of go through materials and there's some math like you do build up to calculus and differential equations, matrices. Um, But, I mean, it's important to have a strong math background, but it's not really necessary day-to-day activities. Like, you just, it's helpful to understand the math behind it for the theories, Um, but really just day-to-day, you end up kind of doing geometry, a little bit of trig, algebra. Um, So, not too heavy yeah, I for guess. sure. And I'm sure nowadays everything is basically handled by computers anyways. Like, I, I guess, how often do you even have to do anything by hand, like math-wise? Is everything just programs? Um, there are a lot of programs. It is important still to just kind of do hand calcs, um, just because computer, it's easy to just put in the inputs, hit enter, and be like, oh, okay, here's the answer, but not really think about what what you're actually inputting. Damn it, Jacqueline. You sound like every math teacher I ever had growing up. <laughs> I used to resent yeah. them so much for saying things like that. Yeah. But yeah. it's true. It's so true. Especially for someone like doing what you guys do. You absolutely have to know what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. So the older guys often give the younger kids, younger engineers, I guess I should say, um, some trouble when they're just like, oh, well, I can just put it in this program and it'll design the beam for me. But it's like, <laughs> well, why don't you actually think about it and open up the books, look at the code and stuff. So yeah, yeah, for sure. What do you think then are the most important skill sets for a structural engineer to have, if not math? Um, I guess general problem solving um, and being able to look at something and question how is it how does it work? Um, where are these loads going to go once you push, pull, twist it in different directions? You just need to track it down to the foundation. Um, so it's looking at things in a big scale and also small scale when you get down to the detailing. So that just makes me think of something and, and uh, maybe the personality differences between a structural engineer and an architect and what would make someone go for one versus the other. And now I'm thinking, damn it, maybe I am like a structural engineer at heart and not an architect, you know, like how in uh, in like Twilight books and stuff, they'll be like team so and so and team so and so. I feel Mm -hmm. like we can do that with like architectural and structural engineers. And I feel like maybe I'm team structural engineer because whenever I see crazy buildings and crazy structures, never do I say, wow, that's so beautiful. Like I can't believe how beautiful that is. 
what I find myself way more often saying is like, how is that even there? Like, how is mm-hmm. that standing? How is it not falling over? Um, like, how did that happen? It's never yeah. just like, oh, let me take in its beauty. Um, I'm always just amazed that it, something can even stand. You would be a great structural engineer then. <laughs> yeah. So, so is that something that yeah. you found yourself asking those same sorts of questions a lot throughout life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like, and you, I, I think any engineer, you're going to, they're going to, walk around the world and be like, how does, how does this work? And for me, it is just on a larger scale. So yeah, when I go into buildings, especially ones that are, I guess you could say more architecturally um, prominent, they will have the high ceilings and probably like columnless atrium. And I stand there wondering like, how is this actually working? And sometimes the architects or depending on the architects, they really like the structure exposed you can really see all of that and some other architects like to just hide it all and do that instead so it makes you really question what what's behind the walls yeah being somebody who is a structural engineer nowadays with everything that is at your disposal nowadays does it make you more or less in awe would you say than like the average person that goes to visit Rome or that goes to visit uh, basically anywhere in Asia or, you know, that goes to visit like really old places and old buildings that are amazing. Are those buildings that are amazing more amazing to you because you're like, how did these people do this back then? Or do you almost you can kind of see how they did it back then? You're like, oh, no, that kind of makes sense, actually. Um, Stuff I think that's like really historical. You do wonder like, well, that doesn't seem very efficient, but I think they just it's a lot of trial and error for um, historians, I guess. Uh, they did were just like, well, we'll just keep building, I guess, until it falls down. But now there's more efficient systems and more efficient materials. Um, I think the way with steel, you can make it a lot lighter, um, which helps. And the skyscrapers these days and tall buildings are just getting ridiculously large that it's still amazing that they can make it work. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So something that I learned in my research about this job is all of the different types of structural engineers that there are and the um I guess like specializations within structural mm-hmm. engineering. So one of those specializations that I learned about were people that that is exactly what they do is they uh renovate and more I guess not really renovate, they more preserve historical sites and they preserve historical buildings. First mm-hmm. of all, have you ever met anyone that does a job like that? And what, like, I just, I guess I can't, how difficult is, is that job like more difficult than any other job trying to just like uh, jerry rig some old thing to be able to hold together and still let it preserve all of its historicness? Yeah, it's, um, a previous firm I worked at, we did do some historical preservation and, um, it is very tricky. Um, you just, Depending on the project, you can be fortunate enough to just kind of remove the skin and build the structure and then put it back on. Other times, you really have to go in and like practically through an orthoscopic hole, rebuild everything. Um, And I guess the way with technologies now, there are things that make it easier. So instead of just trying to make concrete work, there's reinforced fibers or fibers that reinforce the concrete so it's a little bit more malleable and easier to work with. So there's te- fortunately technologies nowadays that 
make it a little bit easier, but definitely it's always a, a tricky project. It, it go um, in more detail with some of that for us. So like these technologies that you're talking about, are you saying that you can maybe like inject something into the, the concrete that's already there or something like that? Yep. Yeah. The, they do have that. Um, or instead of using typical reinforcement for concrete, you can fiber reinforce it. So it's materials like Kevlar, I guess you could say, you would put it into the concrete and um, that just you can shape it a little bit better and um, gives you a little bit more flexibility. Yeah, for sure. So. And then please explain that first option you were saying, how, uh, which I love the example that you gave earlier, the analogy of like skin and bones for uh, like an architect versus mm-hmm. what an engineer would do, that the architect works on the skin, the engineer works on the bones. How the hell would you take the skin off of a building and then kind of redo the bones on the inside? How do you get the skin off? That's, I, that sounds impossible. Um, yeah, very carefully. (laughs) Um, structural engineers don't really do that. Thank goodness. Um, there's, I think a whole nother profession that does that kind of removing. Um, so yeah, just with a very careful, steady hand, I think. You live in the Bay area. I just moved from San Francisco a little while ago. And all of this is making me think about the Golden Gate Bridge, which, A, I have so many questions about bridges. And I know you're not a bridge <laughs> expert, but you'll definitely know more than I know. But uh, specifically with the, I guess, like iconicness of the Golden Gate Bridge and to the point of uh, of preserving historical things, is the Golden Gate Bridge soundly built enough that everything's all good? Or are we constantly having to go in and preserve it uh, and, and, you know, do things to it to keep it standing because we want to keep the golden gate bridge there um i wouldn't say that there's things that we are doing to preserve it but there's definitely maintenance that needs to be put on and um testing that i'm sure goes through but when you design a building a bridge um you kind of design it for a lifespan already so um there's an inherent lifespan that it's good that it can support and if it can go beyond then great i mean the factors of safety that go into building these things is quite high so you don't have to worry that like design for 50 years once it turns 50 it's going to collapse or anything Mm -hmm. um but yeah i I don't know if i answered your question no yeah Um, you pretty much did so it like could the golden gate bridge be around like 500 years from now or is it something that they're going to have to replace um, I don't think it would last that long, mostly because of the foundation and soil conditions around it. Um, because in any structure, you bring the loads down to the foundation. And so as the earth is changing and, um, the shoreline is changing for the bridge that, that could compromise the mm. bridge's lifespan, I guess. So do you guys sometimes have to deal with uh, are multiple structural engineers brought in on one uh, build? So let's say you're you're building like the new side of the Bay Bridge or something like Mm -hmm. that. Are they going to call in a structural engineer whose total specialty is earthquakes? And then they're going to call in some bridge guys. And then they're going to call in like a regular structural engineer. Uh, And everyone kind of comes together to talk about what they know best. Um. There's probably only one structural engineer. Uh, you will have like a peer reviewer. I 
to just kind of back check. Um, but the structural engineer is responsible for the assumptions of loading. So that would be earthquake and the natural disasters that come through. Hmm. Um, so when you first design con design a building, um, you figure out the loads, make those assumptions, you divide it into dead load and live load. So the dead load being the actual weight of the material, the beams, the columns, the slabs, the roofing, anything that doesn't, uh, is going to be there for a while. And then you have live loads, like for bridges, it'd be the cars, people walking, um, wind, earthquake, um, for buildings, it could be books, light mechanical. Um, so there's just like one structural en engineer for that, that you kind of have a specialty of earthquakes, especially if you live in an earthquake prone area like New Zealand or Japan, you study earthquakes in school. So you know what that's like. I'm from the East Coast where our big loading was snow. Right. So when I went to school and it was like earthquakes, what are those? Um, that was like a whole nother gamut. So you basically, there's not like a specialty person for a a weather-related thing or a natural disaster. It's just based on where you live. Everyone expects all of the structural engineers to know that thing where you're at. Yeah, I guess the only one would be a specialty would be wind engineers. Because um, when you are designing, say, like in a city, once you put a tower up, your wind tunnel is going to change. So what wind engineers will do is um, they'll build a small scale city. And um, once they put that new building in, they'll run it through wind tunnel tests and see how that affects other buildings. That has got to be an awesome job. That's so funny. Yeah. Making like a whole <laughs> tiny building and just putting yeah. it in front of like a big wind fan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love so. that. So how do structural engineers, uh, how do, who do structural engineers typically work with? And now you were saying that even on a big project, uh, it's typically only going to be one structural engineer. Who are the other people that you are conversing with and working with? Do you, do you work with the architects? Do you work with the builders? Like, who are you talking to throughout your own process? Yeah, um, I guess the three main players would be the architect, engineer, and contractor. Um, within architect, you could have just the main architect, but then within that, there's like interiors, landscape. There's a whole, whole slew of crew there. And then um, engineers, it could be mechanical, electrical, structural, and then the contractors. Um, so we're kind of the middleman. Um, we get the design from the architect. We engineer it. We make it work. We tell the architect, yes or no, this is realistic. And then we give our plans to the contractors. They build it or they tell us, okay, no, you can't actually build it this way in terms of sequencing. Um, so there's a lot of back and forth and commun good communication, collaborative working. Um, yeah. So it strikes me that structural engineering would be the type of thing that you would only need to do on, on unique or large structures. If I'm just building like a home, like a regular home, do I need a structural engineer to help out with that? Uh, yeah. Um, if you're building from new, you do just the contractors will have kind of rule of thumb. They know what kind of foundation or how things what works in the past, but um, if at any point you need a building permit, you're likely going to need an engineer to sign and stamp the drawings off. Um, a contractor oh, can't do that. Right. Okay. That's funny because that was going to be one of my questions later is that it is like, is it mandatory for a structural engineer to be part of a city project? Clearly, it's mandatory if you, people can't even 
get stuff signed off on building their own house without you guys. Uh, So, yeah, that's great. So So you guys are like the last line of defense. Like your guys, your signature needs to go on something to show that, that, yeah, this is going to be a safe structure. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, Yeah. So you can do home renovations uh, without a structural engineer. But once you start changing the layout, moving walls, um, changing the roof line, adding on something where the foundation isn't there or it's going to be changing, you, you should uh, get an engineer on board. So what are some, unfortunately, sorry, go ahead. Oh, unfortunately I know some people don't think that we're needed. And so they value, uh, they value engineer us out. And then down the line, they're like, darn, we, we should have called an engineer. Just I could only imagine. So yeah, like so let's talk about that a little bit. So what are some common problems that come up when people do not have a structural engineer involved in the job? Um that it just doesn't really work, I guess. <laughs> um hopefully not nothing too cat- catastrophic. Um but often you hear problems on a project or job site that there's delays, it costs so much more money, they've blown the budget and um I like to think that structural engineers are not ones to blame, but um, yeah, I don't want to put the blame on contractors, but they are kind of, they're the ones that are supposed to interpret our drawings correctly. And um, so if they decide they want to do their own thing, then that's kind of the responsibility of them. We can't be the ones holding their hands through the whole process. Right. Um, yeah. Does that so? This is making me think of that uh, that newer half of the Bay Bridge that that was supposed to be this like amazing great bridge that can withstand all this stuff, and mm-hmm. within like weeks of it opening, it was yeah, like a catastrophe because the bolts. Like, is that one of these things where you guys tell them to use the right type of bolts, and then they're like, "Oh no, we could totally save like a half a million dollars if we use this other type of bolt," and they just yeah. do that on their own? Yeah, yep, that's happened a couple of times. I mean. Maybe for me, not on that big of a scale, but we do have to do structural observations, but there are inspectors that are supposed to be um, inspecting whatever the welds and the bolts. But again, they can't be the ones who inspect every single inch of weld and every bolt that goes in. So, um, yeah, you need to have a good, good contractor and good, good workers. Yeah. So, Jacqueline, earlier you mentioned skyscrapers and like the interesting things that we could do thanks to steel nowadays. What is like the peak of what we can do? How is it that we keep, first of all, how, yeah, how is it that we keep building taller buildings? Because I feel like I would imagine some people put together some math equations to see like what's the tallest building that we can build. And then they just built it. Uh, like because you know men are like achievers they want to have like the biggest building and this and that so it's like if 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 the empire state building was the tallest building of its time but then it quickly got surpassed it's like well how did it quickly get surpassed because didn't the person that that wanted to build the empire state building weren't they like i need you to build me the biggest thing that you can possibly build period end of story and uh, like how are we allowed to keep building things taller Will we hit a point where we truly cannot build anything taller? Like, what would what would be that threshold of we cannot build anything bigger than this? Um, I think actually, just the way technology is going, we can better refine our models, and we have more 
data to put our buildings in simulations, computer model simulations to see how it's actually going to behave. So traditionally, you've kind of, you go by the code and the code says you can only have this amount of um, leeway in a building. You can only have this amount of deflection or whatnot. Um, But now there's, the industry's going towards something called performance-based engineering in which you can model it in a computer and put it through an earthquake simulation. And we have enough data from from earthquake engineers to see how it's actually going to behave. Um, and so that's, I think, is what allows us to build these larger, larger more grandiose structures. Um, it's just that we have better technology to figure out how it's actually going to behave. Mm. Um, so I actually really, I really don't think, like, there ever be really a limit um, besides like the air space and um, just at heights at which cranes can operate at. Like you're not obviously going to build from um, like a helicopter bringing down something like you do it from cranes and the cranes can only go so high. So oh, that's a really good point. I didn't really consider that. Because, yeah, I have always, like, why is everyone just passing each other out by, like, 100 feet or something? Like, oh, it's, like, 100 feet bigger. It's, like, why not just be, like, oh, man, my building's, like, a mile tall, so just don't even try to mess with this. I guess, yeah, a crane cannot reach that high, so what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, So I would love to know how being a structural engineer has kind of impacted the way that you look at the world. Since you have gotten your degree, when you walk around, uh, do you kind of constantly notice things all day long and is that almost like a burden to to be (laughs) noticing like how poorly built so many things are um yet sometimes i try not to think about it especially going into historical structures just as i'm like oh gosh this is really old who knows if they knew what they were doing back then they just kind of built like oh well it's standing so we'll just just go on our very way um I wouldn't say it's a burden. It's still really fascinating to me when I go into uh, large space- spaces like museums where often they just have no columns or just huge um, ceiling heights that when it's exposed, it's great because I can see it. Like Sometimes the architect wants all the structure to be exposed. Um, so you can really just see all the interest- intricacies in it. Uh, when it's covered up, yeah, my mind, I guess, wanders a little bit more like what's behind behind those those walls um so yeah all right so Jacqueline let's go ahead and wind this thing down with mm-hmm. uh some advice for people that would want to get into a role of structural engineering so first of all what is the education required and the degree that you need um and if you could also let us know like what the ballpark pay is for structural engineers yeah um so master's degree is probably the way the industry is going now. Um, when I finished school with my bachelor's in civil and I was looking at jobs, starting to think about jobs, um, even in entry-level positions were saying that you needed a master's degree. So did that for two years. Um, and then you can get an entry-level position. And then after that, as you progress, um, you have to have your license to actually get your name and have a stamp and sign drawings off. Until then, you're a designer and you're still engineering. You're working with a project engineer, um, but your your name isn't really on that. So you can't really have, I guess, a practice on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of pay... Um, 
I personally don't think it's as uh, it, it should be more, I think, <laughs> for considering what we do. But um, it's starting off um, around the $50,000, $60,000 mark a year. Um, and then I mean, as you become a principal, it's definitely higher. But um, it's probably one of the lower paying engineering fields, unfortunately. But um, yeah. I'm always so amazed at what some people get paid that do things that we yeah. just need so much or things that are so unbelievably amazing. Um, yeah. Like I had this uh, experimental particle physicist on the show once and obviously you have to have your PhD um, and he's doing this like amazing particle physics work at I think Berkeley and he's getting paid like $40,000 a year or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? it's yeah. Like, he has his PhD and he's trying to figure out like particle physics and he's getting yeah. paid like the same as probably like the janitor at Berkeley, you know? Yeah. Uh, so interesting. It's definitely frustrating living in the Bay Area. Right. Um, totally. Just with all like the programmers and coders and what their software engineers and what they're making and like for some app and i'm like i'm designing your building that you're standing in like, right and they us, don't have their masters or anything yeah without us like you you wouldn't have a house so yeah um, totally but i really don't need your app thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's great but yeah yeah so jacqueline let's finish this up then with uh advice for people that would like to become a structural engineer obviously the main piece of advice is go to school and get a degree in it. But do you have any further advice that you would give people that wanted to become one? Um, go for it. I mean, I think it's still, you'll be proud of what you, you do. Um, it's great just being able to point around to buildings like, oh yeah, I designed that. Like you just have a really good sense of pride and should keep that through any career that you decide to pursue. Um, so, yeah. Love it. Great advice. Short and sweet. It's great. <laughs> Um, all right, Jacqueline, thanks so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. Hey, everyone, it's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you did, I would appreciate it so much if you considered leaving a review for the show on iTunes. I swear it'll only take like two minutes. Um, just search for the show on iTunes, click on it, click on ratings and reviews. You can leave a quick review um, or just uh, keep listening to the show. I appreciate that as well. Or tell a friend about the show or something. And if you have any ideas for the show, if you have a particular job or hobby that you would like to hear interviewed on the show, if you yourself think that you do something interview worthy and you would like to tell the world about what this job or hobby is that you have, head on over to halfhourintern.com. There's a link right there at the top that says submit your ideas and you could submit your ideas for the show, be them uh, somebody else that you would like me to interview, a particular field that you would like to hear about, or even if it is you yourself that would like to come on the show. Thanks so much for listening, you guys.